I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, we're only one week away from the biggest night of the year in Hollywood. I'm Jeff Braun. Yes, we'll talk the Oscars. They made some interesting moves this week. And Jeff, I know you like the John Wick. Yeah. I watched a John Wick ripoff on Netflix, what? and I am indeed feeling ripped off. First, it's the news from the couch. Disney's live-action Aladdin released its first teaser trailer this week. Bring me the lamp. Your life begins now. Aladdin. Okay, that all looks fine, but no one was prepared for what happened at the end when the genie, played by Will Smith, shows up. You really don't know who I am. Genie, wishes, lamp, none of that ringing a bell. You can't tell from the clip. You have to see it to believe it. A big, bald, blue Will Smith. It's messed up. He looks so freaky. People on the internet were losing their minds. It seems to be maybe one of those Bane or Thanos situations where the audience hopes that the filmmakers make some adjustments before the film's come, film comes out. Because if that's what the genie's going to look like that we have to stare at it, kids are going to have nightmares for life. It's very unsettling. What do you think of it? I I didn't understand the big deal. I mean, really? The, the genie is blue in but the cartoon. But it looks so weird. It's just creepy. I don't know. I've I've seen pictures of him. It's not like we haven't seen him already. I'm pretty I, sure that we've seen pictures I of him. I think it's less the blue than it is the bald. Yeah. Will Smith's just one of those guys that doesn't look good bald. No, you don't no, think so? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, what do they have to be that much of a stickler towards that old cartoon for? Just make it a genie in any other form. That Something flattering to Will Smith. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it, 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 indeed, with, based on that reaction, they're, they're, maybe they will have to make some changes. Because I know in the, you mentioned Bane, they did make some changes to his voice, did yeah. they not? And they and the first look we got at Thanos, I thought they it wasn't fully rendered, all the special effects or whatever. It ended up looking a bit better in the movie than he did in whatever first teaser we saw for that, too. So it can be done. Will it be done? Who knows? We'll wait and see. Uh, also, Disney re- released a trailer for Frozen 2 this week. Oh, yeah. We didn't get clips of that because there's no talking in it. It's just the music. So uh, people are excited about that. I still haven't seen Frozen 1. <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> Which is, and uh, for those who have been listening to this show for a long time, I believe that was in our November movie preview with the first Frozen, and we both wrote that off. We wrote, I know, I, I still have it. I went back and checked. We did a minute on it, and I used Metallica song, Trapped Under Ice, as the music for <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Because of, apparently the, the town was trapped under ice at the beginning or something like that. Yeah, we just totally dismissed it, and it turned out to be, it's probably one of their 10 biggest things ever. I think it's the biggest animated movie of all time. Is it still that? Right, there you go. Yeah, we'll have to confirm so, that, but uh, we're just going off the top of our head. Frozen here. 2 this November. A trailer was released this week that we can talk about for a new miniseries from George Clooney. It's called Catch-22. Some of you will not be coming back. There's no other way of telling you that. Just basic statistics tell us that. If in your final moments you see death, hello, think not of death. Think of the living. And know this, that your sacrifice will not have been in vain. Catch-22 is based on the novel, a satire about some soldiers stationed in the Mediterranean during World War II. More than anything, it's on the catchphrase of the title. Uh, The miniseries stars Clooney, and as we heard in much of that first clip, Kyle Chandler. It's a six-episode miniseries. It'll be on Hulu in the United States. Not sure what channel in Canada will carry it. 
Bravo, I believe, carries Hulu's The Handmaid's Tale, so there's precedent for Canadian channels picking up Hulu shows. It debuts May 17th. Holy Moses! Don't kill the goats! You still think you're gonna get out of here? You're out of here! What? What is this nonsense? Insanity is contagious. Hip, hip! Hip, hip! Ah! Hip, hip! Okay, okay then. Great. Yes, sir! That's some catch, that catch 22. And as well, uh, Showcase carries another Hulu show, Marvel's Runaways. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, there's no problem with getting Hulu shows in Canada. And I hope this this comes to it, because I'd like to see it. Clooney hasn't been in anything. I looked it up since 2016's Money Monster, which was a huge fail. It's been that long? Yeah. I was actually thinking last week, I was like, wow, haven't seen Clooney in a while, wonder what he's doing. And then (laughs) this came out right away. Wow, that is bizarre. So he has been working, and and yeah, like I miss Clooney, he's one of my favorites. So, And I I never saw this money monster, but nobody did. So I haven't seen him since Hail Caesar, which I believe was also 2016. Okay, what's next? A little breaking bad news. You're not some hardened criminal, Walt. You are in over your head. Keep your friends close. Keep your enemies closer. Do you really believe that you mean anything to these people? We hit them hard. Hit them where they live. Set up a meeting. Maybe I'm not such a loser after all. This was my idea. Tell Gus to blame me, not them. The Breaking Bad movie, and everyone's talking like that's really going to happen, could be both an AMC and a Netflix presentation. Netflix would premiere the film according to the Deadline story, and AMC would air it afterwards. No air dates yet set. It's also still a big secret what it'll even be about, other than vague comments from creator Vince Gilligan and some other producers that it would follow a couple of characters who didn't finish their journey. That would presumably include Aaron Paul as Jesse, but maybe not Brian Cranston. His ending felt pretty definitive. This is a simple division of labor. I bring in the money, you launder the money. This is what you wanted. I never wanted any of this. Now I'm like part of the team? What is this? He's got the money to finance this operation. Maybe he's got the connections too. Maybe, just maybe, he's our guy. He will see me dead, and there's nothing I can do about it. All that's left is to wait. So what do you think? I don't know. I don't even know why they need to do this. But we said that about Better Call Saul, and it turned out all right. Yeah, Better Call Saul was tremendous. And I would like to see the continuing journey of Jesse. Where did he go? But, yeah, the the way that it ended, I thought, was picture perfect. Yeah. It could not have ended that series any better. I also maybe wonder if they're waiting for this movie to come out after Better Call Saul is completely done, and that maybe the movie would also uh, have an ending for Saul. Oh. Because oh. he's, what, as far as we know, uh, working at the... Cinnabon Place in the Oklahoma Mall or whatever it is. Omaha, Nebraska, I think. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, that could be an interesting way to to wrap up the whole thing. Yeah. Who else? Well, I guess the Skyler and the kids, right? There could be more about them. Who who else's story is seemingly left untold? Badger. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What's the last thing on the list here? Uh, Remember the Tom Cruise movie, Collateral? Yo, homie. Is that my briefcase? Is it your briefcase? Yeah, it is. Why? You want it back? I'm about your wallet. What else you got for me? Huh? 
Did you ever see Collateral, Brent? Yeah. Michael Mann's 2004 crime thriller star Jamie Foxx is a cab driver forced by a hitman, Vincent, played by Cruz, to drive him around L.A. while he killed people all night. This week, a very weird bit of information came out about the movie. An IMDb trivia note says, quote, The original script had Vincent's professional name as Vincent Collateral, and there is a deleted scene confirming this. So his name was, the movie's called Collateral, his name was Vincent, but his real name was Vincent Collateral. <laughs> okay. Which is, ins- that's like calling Bruce Willis John Diehard and Diehard, or calling Sam Jackson uh, Pulp Fiction or something, I don't know. Apparently there's uh, corroborating evidence on a Wikipedia page. Now, I will say, Wikipedia and the trivia section on IMDb are not great sources, but everyone seems to be going along with this like it's the real thing. Uh, I don't know. I should watch Collateral again, though. I remember liking it. Not as good as Heat, but man knows how to make a crime movie. But if he named him Vincent Collateral, that's insane, isn't it? Yeah, that's just dumb. <laughs> that is just dumb. That made me laugh. I thought I'd throw it in there. Also, I just looked it up here. <laughs> Frozen, there is something to that movie being the biggest something or other, right. but uh, it's actually the sixth biggest animated movie of all time. Number five is Toy Story 3. Number four is The Lion King. Number three is Shrek 2. Number two is Finding Dory. And then The Incredibles 2 is the biggest animated movie. Well, of Dor- all time. Dory and The Incredibles 2 came out since Frozen, so. Yeah. So she was definitely on the list for a while. Yeah, it might have been a Disney's biggest. Uh, it could have been Disney's biggest non Pixar animated movie in the CG era or something obscure like that. There was something. I'll have to figure it out. But in the meantime, I retract my initial thought that it was the biggest animated movie. Frozen 2 will probably be the biggest animated movie by the end of the year. Yeah, that... Let it go. I'm sure parents are just thrilled that there's (laughs) going to be another Frozen movie. Up next... Oscar nominee, a big one, comes home. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm not just hiring a chauffeur. What other experience do you have? Public relations. I'm on a concert tour in the deep south. This gentleman says that I'm not permitted to dine here. I'm afraid not. Get your hands off. Now! You only win when you maintain your dignity. Anyone can sound like Beethoven. You do. Only you can do that. Green Book. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And we're looking at what's coming out on home video this coming weekend on Tuesday the 19th on Digital HD. Oscar nominee, multiple Oscar nominee, Green Book, starring Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. It's a story about Viggo plays this tough guy in the 50s who becomes a bouncer slash driver for Mahershala Ali, who is a jazz pianist who goes on a tour of the Deep South, which is not a great place to go if you're a black guy by yourself. So so Vigo's sort of his muscle to help him through that. And, uh, you know, they learn to become friends. Yada, yada, yada. It's nominated for a bunch of awards. Mahershala Ali, probably the favorite to win Best Supporting Actor, as he has won Best Supporting Actor at all these other award shows. So that is out on Digital HD on Tuesday. I saw it in theaters. It's a it's a good movie. It's people. A lot of people seem to have a problem with it or whatever. I guess it doesn't hew too terribly close to what may have actually happened, according to some parties involved. But that doesn't bother me. You know what? Elvis didn't learn to dance from Forrest Gump. Nobody had a problem with that. Yeah. Get over it, people. And it's interesting, too, listening to that clip. I haven't seen the film yet, but I would like to because I love both of those actors and have yeah. heard nothing but good things about it. But it's 
funny to hear Mahershala Ali speaking so clearly because currently watching season three of True Detective on HBO. Only two episodes left, by the way. A little mumbly? Well, he's a little mumbly. I have been okay with it, but both my dad and a friend of mine have said... I gotta turn the subtitles on oh, really? when I'm watching this because I can't understand what he's saying. He's oh. very mumbly. Have you? Are you caught up? Well, I uh, no, I'm one behind, but I've also been keeping the subtitles on. But I oh, I watch most things with the subtitles on now, yeah. and especially something like that, just because it's an investigation. And like with uh, when we watch Elementary or whatever, I put the subtitles on just to make sure I get all the information and can read people's names and that sort of thing. It helps me yeah. keep it clear when there's a bunch of stuff going on. So are we? Just getting old. I think so. We need the subtitles. I can't hear what he's saying, Jeff. It's a little. It's a. Uh, it's a little bit of a lazy flex to it, but I don't mind. Well, why not? Yeah. Uh, also on digital HD this Tuesday, Instant Family, which is a comedy starring Marky Mark and Rose Byrne, where they uh, adopt three kids just like that, and they go from having no kids to three kids. And it's a pretty good. I saw that in theater. It's a pretty good movie. It seems to be. It's. I actually think it was partially funded by the. People that uh, one of the big foster care agencies in the United States. So uh, that was kind of strange to see in the credits. But and they do push hard for foster care in there. And I mean, they make some really good points about it as well. And it's a pretty entertaining movie. It's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Also out on digital HD on Tuesday, The Possession of Hannah Grace, which I believe is a horror movie. Is that part of the Conjuring world? No. Oh no, it's just it's a one-off demon movie. It looked pretty creepy. Give it that, and indeed, it's a, a scary film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when you you did not enjoy it when I played the trailer. Okay, I believe you. Yeah, we know ne- we need never speak of it again. Yep. On Blu-ray, DVD, hard copies on Tuesday. Overlord, that's that one with the Nazi zombies, right? Yeah, Nazi zombies. It got pretty good reviews, eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It looked like nothing you'd ever seen. Like these yeah. guys get dropped into behind enemy lines in World War II. They're trying to take out like a transmission tower or something, and they discover there's a Nazi lab underneath. And they're it's like they're, they're trying to create super soldiers, like super immortal okay. soldiers, but they're basically zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got good reviews, but did not the no audiences didn't know what to make of it and it didn't do very well like it only made 21 million dollars really? domestically and uh, 41 million total for its worldwide but i'd still like to see it because it because it looked so unique i would like to maybe read the plot synopsis on wikipedia yeah it looks like it, it <laughs> would it be looks, looks like it's got some gory. grizzly stuff in it yeah. yeah also out on blu-ray dvd here we go a star is born starring bradley cooper and lady gaga also multiple oscar nominated hasn't been winning any of the awards we'll get to that in a little bit but uh, if you've not seen A Star is Born, we both highly, highly recommend it. It was uh, by far one of the best movies of last year. And you should definitely check that out on Tuesday if you've not yet seen it. On the other end of the spectrum, nominated for multiple Razzie Awards as one of the worst films of the year, Robin Hood, starring Taron Edgerton, Jamie Foxx, and Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. I just, I can't get over that. Taron Edgerton, he's such an up-and-coming young star, and then he gets attached to this. I mean, hey, he needed a payday, probably got paid handsomely for it, but uh, you got to hope that it doesn't hurt his career in any way. Robin Hood, is that just intellectual property that no one's interested in anymore? I guess so. I don't know, because the Ridley Scott movie... I don't know. That's like a decade ago already. With the Russell Crowe. That was also terrible. Yeah. I think people just aging out of Robin Hood tales, just like, uh, what was it with uh, Tonto the Lone Ranger? Yeah. 
kids weren't interested in that because kids didn't know what the Lone Ranger was because the Lone Ranger is something that much older people than us were into when it was because it was started as like a radio thing when they used to do live radio shows. Yeah. So, well, and yeah. the fact that Johnny Depp played Tonto, I don't think uh, that didn't help either. Yeah, it certainly didn't help. But there's there are some things where you can just. Just let it die. Hey, something happened exciting on uh, Netflix for you this week. Christmas came early for fans of the Netflix show, the animated comedy Big Mouth. They dropped a special episode this week. Happy Valentine's Day. Wait, did you say Valentine's Day? Yeah. Okay. It's the time of the valentine. It's Valentine's Day at Bridgeton Middle. Who's your valentine? Meet Reese's Worthers my girlfriend who is things. I always blow it on Valentine's Day because I try too hard. But this year, I'm flipping the script, Daddy-O. It's called Furry Valentine, a 45-minute standalone episode. Season 2 came out last October, I believe. The next season won't be out before next October, I imagine. But since the show is about middle school kids dealing with puberty, they wanted to do a Valentine's episode, and it doesn't disappoint. Can't really get into the specifics of it because it's a super foul-mouthed R-rated show. Uh, It's very, very funny, though, if you've not seen it. And I feel sometimes when I bring up Big Mouth that I'm just... Talk, like screaming into the wind. Yeah. And then I was sort of talking to myself out in our newsroom earlier this week, and three other people started talking to me about it, that they watched it religiously. Yeah. So I was like, all right, at least I, I'm not alone. Check out Big Mouth People. Up next, we're going to talk Oscars and some of the weird changes they made this week. And Jeff completed his quest. Yes. Details next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And my quest to watch all the Oscar Best Picture nominees ended this week with my viewing of Bohemian Rhapsody. Tell me, what makes Queen any different from all of the other wannabe rock stars? We're four misfits who don't belong together, playing for other misfits. The outcasts, we're pretty sure they don't belong either. Queen belongs to them. Here's a hot take. I liked it. I sort of get why it's nominated. I don't think it should win, but I don't begrudge its inclusion on Oscar night. I thought it was epic enough. It looks fantastic. Sounds even better with sort of a classic biopic story. The rags to riches, to the fallout, to the triumphant return. Which is the same story as A Star is Born, really, except for the ending, of course. The production values, I thought, were much better than I was expecting. I thought it would look more like a TV movie, but most scenes felt like a big-budget movie to me. Maybe it's because my expectations were lower going into it. I don't know. Maybe in five years I'll look back and think it stinks. I guess it helps that I like Queen as well. I don't have all their albums or anything, but I always crank them up when they come on the radio. I do think the movie glossed over their initial stardom, and some of the concert scenes looked pretty cheap, but they more than make up for that at the end. Um, I think my favorite part, actually, was them recording the Bohemian Rhapsody song. I also like that they put Mike Myers in it. He was in the trailer that I watched many times, and I didn't recognize him, even when I was watching the movie, until his first scene was, like, half over. It's like, oh, that's him! I don't know. It was weird. I didn't Uh, recognize... I didn't... I knew... Like, I saw his name in the credits. Yeah. And I was waiting to see him, and then I just kind of forgot about it. Yeah. And then that scene came and went. He and didn't. it didn't register until after the movie. I had to say, like, which one, which guy was Mike Myers? 
Yeah. That was weird. Uh, it's all, it doesn't, I mean, we haven't seen Mike Myers in many years at this point, but maybe that's why we forgot what it looks like. Yeah. I, I liked his nod to teenagers rocking out to Bohemian Rhapsody in a car in that scene, which of course is what they did in Wayne's World. I was, and that's what I was curious about afterwards, the timeline, because Freddie Mercury died in November 91. Wayne's World came out in February 92. So that's three months later. So the Bohemian Rhapsody scene in Wayne's World was presumably shot before Mercury even died, but only came out afterwards and after the song had been re-released as a single following his death when it became a big hit so the Wayne's World people at the time they were making the movie probably thought they were including a somewhat obscure classic rock song and then when it, by the time it got to theaters it was a reborn hit which this just seems weird doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, mean, I don't know that's... for sure on the timeline maybe maybe they shot it after he passed away and they'd re-release a single I don't know I don't think they could get it out that fast so like that no movies no. take a while Rami Malek was good although I admit I saw Rami Malek more often than I saw Freddie Mercury I think I'd still give the Oscar to Bradley Cooper over him too maybe Christian Bale as well uh, and like you said now I've seen all the Best Picture nominees and it's a weird year outside of A Star Is Born none of these feel like Best Picture movies like in 5 or 10 years we'll look back at this whole thing and put a big question mark over a lot of these decisions this award season and A Star is Born, for whatever reason, isn't winning anything, save for some music-related awards, which is absolutely baffling to me. It checks off every box as far as prestige award-winning movies go, and it's good. People like it. It's entertaining and moving. But if it can't win for whatever reason, and Black Klansman won't win because it hasn't been winning anything either, I don't really care what wins at this point. Roma, Green Book, Bohemian Rhapsody, I guess, are the front runners. All three have won a bunch of awards from various critics, associations, guilds, and whatnot. And I guess Roma has some momentum right now and it's the Vegas favorite but on Oscar night I won't be surprised at anything that wins Black Panther maybe why not Entertainment Weekly, the magazine I got in uh, my mailbox this week, the, the Oscar preview. Usually there's some sort of a, often there's a collage of pictures of the various movies, and yeah. it's just Black Panther's mask <laughs> with a bow tie underneath. Really? So That's it's cool. kind of neat that they, they selected that as the, the focus for the, the Oscar cover. But it has no chance. Well, I shouldn't say it has no chance, because you never know. And they've got that weighted voting now. Like, it used to just be you would vote for the picture you wanted to win and whichever had the most won no matter what and now you rank all eight one to eight and then it's blah 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 so if like the number one spot is split between five different movies but everyone votes the same move black panther for number two yeah black panther would probably win oh so i guess that's how it works i don't know exactly how it works it's yeah complicated <laughs> well and i agree that i didn't think that i said right from the start when i saw bohemian rhapsody this isn't an oscar movie yeah, I'm pretty. They, I may have said exactly that. I think you did say exactly that. This movie isn't going to win any awards. Doesn't deserve to win any awards. <laughs> Not because I didn't like it. No. I just thought it was a fun movie, but I didn't think that it was award worthy. Partly because they are they play so loosely with the actual timeline, yeah, yeah. and I just felt like it it didn't have that big kind of awards feel. I just thought, hey, this is a, f- a feel good movie about Queen and yep. Freddie Mercury with an awesome recreation of the Live Aid concert. And I too also saw Rami Malek, not Freddie Mercury. I enjoyed Rami Malek as Fre- Freddie Mercury, but it yeah. felt like I was watching Rami Malek perform as opposed to just immersing myself in the character of Freddie Mercury. Exactly. Okay, the Oscars also made some news this week. They uh, revealed the categories that will be presented during the commercial breaks of this year's television broadcast. A spokesperson for the Academy said the awards for cinematography, film editing, makeup and hairstyling, and live action short will be presented off 
air. Ridiculous. Uh, the winning speeches aired will air later in the broadcast and be live streamed on Oscar.com, as well as your social media accounts, blah, blah, blah. They uh, plan to hand out certain awards during commercials to try and cut down on the running time, get it to three hours. They announced that last summer, uh, and in future years, they say there may be four to six rotating categories that could be cut from the broadcast. It's so dumb. How much time are they actually going to save with this? I don't know, and I, I understand the need to cut down because that is always one of the main complaints is that there are too many awards handed out where people don't know the people who are winning them, and they don't care yeah. about that. But in terms of the movie, like if you're going to cut some awards, then I would rather see them cut the documentaries and the short film stuff. Yeah, so they got live action short here. No one's complaining about them cutting that. Yeah. But that, yeah, and the documentary short, yeah, the two docs and the animated short, right. Why, yeah, cut those. Uh, to some degree, I mean, it sounds mean, but like the foreign language one, that's often not a speech that people can understand. They often just rattle it off in some foreign language. Like, yeah. So cut that if you want. Or figure out ways to speed it up. They always sort of try to figure out ways. Not having a host should help. True. Doesn't that give you 15 minutes up front? You sh- yeah, there should be. There. I wonder what they'll do at the beginning. Yeah, and they've done other years with other categories where they go to break or whatever, and when they come back from break, the five nominees for the category are already all standing up on stage. Mm-hmm. Then they say who wants, and that guy just has to take three steps forward to collect his or her Oscar. Yep. So why not? That saves them the 20 seconds, especially with some of these other awards where these guys are seated way, seated way in the back of the room. Yeah. You could do that. It's an easy way to cut back some time. You don't have to shuffle these people to, especially cinematography and editing. Like, I care about those. <laughs> and same yeah. for makeup up in hairstyling like those are if if the movie if the oscars are about movies that people go to see in theaters then those are the awards should stay and cut the ones that no one really has access to like i still don't know where to go to see the short films or the like unless it's a okay i shouldn't say that if i looked harder i'm sure i would be able to find them yeah like there's probably there's a local art house theater i'm sure that shows this stuff but you really have to invest your time nine times out of ten People watching the Oscars, I'm sure it's more than that. People watching the Oscars will not have seen those films. No. Uh, and, at least not in, until the Oscar nominations came out. And there's, you know, dwindling audience numbers, but there's the people that love the Oscars that still watch the Oscars. Why should they be punished for the sins of, and they don't care. I don't care if it's a three hour, 10 minute thing as opposed to a three hour even thing. So it makes no sense. Last year, Roger Deakins won the cinematography award. It was a, his first win out of 12 or 13 nominations. He's widely regarded as one of the best. He's my favorite guy. He's the Coen brothers guy. I was thrilled to see him win i would have been very upset if he'd just wander in the commercial and he didn't get to see it yeah and not to say that the 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 shorts and the documentaries are without merit no but and especially the the full the feature length documentary that could stay but the and other, some of that those documentaries are often on netflix now there is that helps the doc categories but uh i don't know i just think those are the ones to cut they give out other tech awards time. at a different ceremony yeah, do that with some of these categories. Yeah, why not? And also, just another note here that you've uh, flagged regarding the presenters. Sure. They announced a bunch more, including Black Panther stars Chadwick Boseman and Angela Bassett, uh, as well as Samuel L. Jackson, Javier Bardem, Amelia Clark. Wait, that's Game of Thrones, isn't it? Yeah. There you go. James McAvoy, Laura Dern, Sarah Paulson, and Melissa McCarthy, as well as If Beale Street Could Talk uh, stars Stefan James and Kiki Lane, and Aquaman himself, Jason Momoa. They previously announced the winners of last year's acting uh, awards, Francis McDormand, Gary Oldman, Sam Rockwell, and Allison Jenny. 
All right, up next, I want to tell you about a movie that I watched on Netflix that left me so disappointed. And as I think about it now, I'm just getting angry about how disappointed I was with this film and how much it makes me never want to watch a Netflix-branded movie again. Uh Uh-oh. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Brown, we are The Couch Potatoes. Earlier, I described what I'm about to tell you about as a John Wick ripoff. Well, that's not really fair, because John Wick came out in 2014. While this movie is based on a webcomic and series of graphic novels, which debuted in 2012, Netflix recently released a film adaptation called Polar. Where the hell is he? Somebody set me up over here. You've got a crate. You have nothing to do with it. Think of a you tried to kill the black Kaiser and kidnap his cute little neighbor. We should pay him so we don't have to look over our shoulder for the rest of our lives. You'll need all of it. Try not to be scared. You made mistakes when you're afraid. Thought you stopped smoking. Figured it wouldn't kill me. Mads Mikkelsen plays Duncan Vizsla, an assassin known as Kaiser Black. He's about to retire and ride off into the sunset with his big retirement settlement payout, eight million bucks, but learns quickly that the company he works for is not going to let that happen. Chaos, carnage, graphic violence all ensue. And that's all you really need to know about the story. The supporting cast includes Vanessa Hudgens, who plays Duncan's shy neighbor, and Catherine Winnick plays one of Duncan's colleagues. You heard her speaking in the clip there. I was excited when I saw that Winnick was in this because she plays Lagertha on one of my favorite shows from the last decade or so, Vikings on History. She is great in that show. That show, by the way, recently wrapped up the second part of its fifth season. Worth pointing out, the musical score was done by Canadian EDM wizard Dead Mouse. Movie was shot mostly in Toronto, but also in a place called Orono. How would you pronounce this? Orono, I think. Orono, Ontario. And it lo- just seeing the way that they shot this part of Ontario, it looks like heaven on earth. Hmm. It just looks so beautiful there. And um, I was genuinely excited when I saw the trailer because it looked like something along the lines of John Wick. So I sort of dug that at first. The lone assassin taking on the world. It looks stylish and colorful. I like Mads Mikkelsen. I like Catherine Winnick. So it just makes me sad to announce that I was so disappointed in this. And looking on Rotten Tomatoes, I was not the only one disappointed. 24% reviews. It started strong. Okay. I'll admit that the movie started very strong, slick camera work, good music. They incorporated September by Earth, Wind, and Fire into the first kill scene of the movie. Do you remember when it was I mean, who doesn't like that? Yeah. That makes everybody happy, even in, as somebody is getting brutally murdered. And it also had some stylish transitions. It just, it very much felt like a living, breathing comic book. And it was fun to start didn't take long for it to stop being fun. It just got slow, dark, really violent, and not in a fun way. Like, I have no problem with graphic violence, provided the context or tone is clear. Like, if it's sold to me as something fun, like John Wick or Kill Bill, for example, cool. Buckets of blood. Bring it on. If it's sold to me as a 
this is going to be a brutal, dark, dreary movie. Also cool, because I know what I'm getting into, so I know to expect that kind of hard violence. But this was sold to me as fun, and it ended up being, at many times, not fun at all. So the violence was just kind of jarring, because it didn't sort of fit in with what was happening. I just I felt like it didn't fit. And that's not to say Polar was no fun at all. Like, it did have some really cool stuff in it. But it also just had some silly dialogue, and the, the bad guy was it felt like he was kind of stock. Just sort of plods along. The ending did save it somewhat. I was genuinely surprised and impressed by the ending. But the journey to that end was mostly boring. So I'm going to give Polar two and a half couch cushions out of five. I would just say skip this and Ooh. watch John Wick instead. Good which call. It's on Netflix, the first one. Yep. John Wick 2 is on Crave. John Wick 3 comes out May 16th. And it's just this whole thing like... The feeling I get from this after watching Polar is anytime someone suggests, hey, you want to watch this movie, and I, then I look at it, and it's a Netflix movie, Yeah, I, I kind of go, ugh. Because I watched, I also watched, do you, did you hear of this movie called Hold the Dark? No. It came out a few months back on Netflix. It stars um, Jeremy, dude from Westworld. Um, Jeffrey Wright. That's it. There it is. And then uh, the Skarsgård, the tall one. Is it Alexander? Sure. One of, the, one of the sons, not yeah. Stellan from Goodwill Hunting. Good cast. And it was, it, again, it was, it wasn't bad. It was okay, but it was just underwhelming. Well, so I don't want to watch, I know Roma is the exception. Yeah, but that was all, well, I guess it was actually a Netflix movie. They gave him all the money to do that or whatever. And Scorsese's got one coming out. I guess their thing has been that a lot of these guys like is, they're just like, here's your money, do whatever you want, we are hands off. So the filmmakers like that. So we'll see. With some of these prestige filmmakers, maybe they're good. But if a lot of these other ones are just okay, what's the point? Yeah. And I am glad to, this is my official list here on my phone I'm showing you. Yep. It is lengthy and I am backspacing, deleting polar right off that Oh, he's just go. wiping it you out. just saved me two hours, buddy. I would also point out as well, if you do use Netflix, I would suggest also trying out Crave TV. I recently, it just kind of hit me like, oh my god, I've missed True Detective, I can watch it on Crave, because Crave used to be a separate app. Well, they amalgamated with the movie network and HBO Canada, so if you're a movie network or HBO subscriber, you have access to everything on Crave, and vice versa. So they've got tons of content and lots of great movies. So and Including plus, John Wick 2! Yeah, and access to everything HBO. So you should check that out. Even recommend it. a basic Netflix thing for me now is, you don't have to watch the Netflix movies on it, they still have plenty of good old movies on there. So I'm forever seeking out old movies on there. Loving it. Yeah, that's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes Oscars next week. Subscribe to the podcast. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.